0: This Morning, and welcome to First Baptist Church of Aransas Pass. So glad you're with us, so glad you can make it. Hope this message blesses you this morning uh, as we uh, are gathered together in our homes for the time being. So, uh, would you mind joining me for a word of prayer before we start? God, we love you and we thank you, Lord. We ask you to provide perfectly for this moment, Lord, that you would usher in, Lord, wisdom and peace here for us, God, that we would be peaceful in these moments, Lord, in these days and these weeks ahead that we would have comfort, Lord, that that comfort would come down from you so that we would be filled with comfort, peace, and joy. Lord God, we thank you for your goodness. We ask you to bless us here this morning, Lord, with hope and with the truth. God, give us wisdom to be able to see and hear the truth as we read it from your word, Lord. God, be with me, Lord, as I communicate your message to your people for your glory, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to talk this morning a little bit about the gospel. What is the gospel? The Greek trans—the Greek word translated "gospel" means "good news." It's derived from the noun angelos, which means "messenger." Interestingly, in classical Greek, uh, "euangelios" was a person who brought the message of victory or, or other personal or political news that obviously caused joy for anybody who was listening to that message. And this word, euangelion, which is translated gospel, became a technical term for the message of victory, which brought joy. And this is the gospel. The gospel is the good news about Jesus Christ and his victory over sin and death. And for us, for all of us, for the world, this is incredible Incredible news! His sacrifice on the cross meant that the end of all sacrifice for sins for all time, because he ushered in a new covenant. He ushered in a new agreement between God and man. The sacrificial system would be fulfilled by Jesus, which meant that there would be no blood sacrifices. Right, which meant uh, which uh, which men had approved for thousands of years. We couldn't do. We could not keep up with the sacrificial system. We could not. It didn't keep us from sin. It also didn't cleanse us for all sin for all time. God says that if we believe in the work of Jesus Christ and that he is our Lord and Savior and that God raised him from the dead, then we are saved. And that news is good news. It is a, a message of victory that brings about joy to the heart's Believers all over the world. Now, the punishment that we deserve for sinning against God is paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ, and this is essentially what happens to us once we believe in Jesus Christ that we take on the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that He cloaks us with, He clothes us with, He covers us in His righteousness. And us being covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ means that. We are no longer at odds with God. It means that we are reconciled with God. It means we are put into right relationship with God, and we can humbly uh, stand before His throne in confidence that we can approach the throne of grace. Jesus Christ took the penalty that we deserved so that all those who believed in Him would not die, but that we would have everlasting life. And those, of course, are little snippets and paraphrases of Romans 10:9 and uh, John 3:16. I want to read something for you here this morning. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and this is verses 1 through 11. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you as of first importance that what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. So we preach, and so you believed. So there are some different elements to the gospel brought out by the Apostle Paul here in this text. And those elements are that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That Christ was buried. That Christ was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And then that he appeared to several different people at different times. It was not an isolated event that only one person saw at one point in history and there were no witnesses there to see. We actually hear that there were over 500 witnesses. And then Paul goes even further to tell us that some are still alive. In other words, you can go and ask them. They're still alive today. I'll tell you which ones they are. You can go and ask them what they saw and if they really saw Jesus Christ. This is an incredible truth. And what's more is that The Apostle Paul then proclaims the saving power of the gospel. Right after that, in verses 8 through 11, he says that he is the least of all the apostles. We have a humble man speaking to us the wisdom of God, or in the wisdom of God, the word of God in the Apostle Paul. He says that he's the least of all the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because of him persecuting the church. And now, church, I don't know about you, but every time I fall short... Every time I'm caught up in rebellion against God, every time I'm caught up in sin, I do something I'm not supposed to, right? However you want to say it. Every time I am, I'm ashamed of myself. I, I live with shame and regret of the thing that I've done. It takes confession and repentance in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in order for my heart to turn back towards God. And so that I can forgive, uh, ask for forgiveness from God and then also forgive myself for the things that I've done and, 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 and not uh, drag myself through the mud or continue to drag myself through the mud over the thing that I've done. But for the believer in Christ, we, we feel this tugging, this, this wrestling, this tearing away. It's our flesh that's chained to the world. It's destined for the dust. And then our spirit that is connected to God, tied to God, sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, our guarantee, the guarantee of our inheritance. It's that spirit wanting to be with God, our flesh chained to the world, that will die along with it. There's that tugging, that pulling away, that tearing away that we feel. And this is the struggle of life that we go through. But once we sin for the Christian believer, we feel that sense of shame, that sense of remorse, that regret. And this is true of all believers, namely here the Apostle Paul. He says he is unworthy to be called an apostle because of the fact that he was persecuting the church, do you feel unworthy today of belonging to Christ because of the things that you've done? Whether it's saying things about the church or persecuting the church. I don't know that you were persecuting the church the way that the Apostle Paul was. We hear in the, in the book of Acts, of course, that you know, people were afraid of him. And because he was, he was a persecutor of the church. He was a known persecutor of the church. He, he held the coats of those who stoned the, uh, uh, Stephen, right? Uh, in, in the beginning of Acts. And we hear about that. And so Paul takes part in murder of Christians. This is not a good thing. And I don't know that anybody's gotten that far in their life, but I tell you that once you commit a sin against God, that you are guilty of all sin against God. And this is one of the reasons, or this is the main reason why the gospel is so important for us. Because if we break one law, we've broken the whole law. And if we break the law, then it takes God himself to reconcile us to himself in order for us to be justified in his sight. So in other words... Uh, we live our lives, we're growing up, we don't know Christ, we're lost in the world, and our standing in heaven, if we can see God sitting on the judgment seat, is guilty. We have the verdict on our lives, and that verdict is guilty. And the sentence for our guilt is death. It is eternal. Uh, it is a uh, Eternal existence in hell, being punished forever. And that's not what anybody wants, right? That's why we share the gospel, because we want everyone to be with us. We want to experience glory and beauty and bliss forever together. And this is why it's so important for us to share the gospel, because we love people, we want them to be with us, and we don't want them to experience not only the pain of this life, but then eternal pain. We don't, we don't want anybody to go through that. But Jesus Christ in order for us to be in right standing with God, paid that penalty on our behalf. He paid that penalty for us. This is what's called the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. We get in on his account. He was first. And so we get in because of him. He took the punishment. If we believe in him, all of a sudden our sins are wiped clean. And that verdict in heaven... That judgment that was guilty is now free, justified, saved. Now that's our standing in heaven. And that's the beauty of life for the believer in Jesus Christ, is that we're free. That penalty, that payment that we owed, that debt that we racked up, the sin debt that we racked up throughout our entire lives, every sin that we did was just building and building and building a case against us in heaven. And once we believe in Jesus Christ, he wipes that away completely. And our judgment is saved, freed, justified. Come on in, the Lord says. Now Paul says, again, that he's unworthy to be called an apostle because he persecuted the church. But how did this happen? So he persecuted the church and then became a follower, right? Can that happen? I know a lot of times in our lives, um, especially when we don't know Christ, but also when we know Christ, we seem to write people off. And I I just want to encourage you and challenge you, don't write anybody off. They may be experiencing things in their life right now that have hidden them from the truth. But I'll tell you what, from firsthand experience, I was, uh, in a sense, a persecutor of the church. I had developed my own philosophies about life and God and existence and all this stuff that were just rubbish. It didn't make any sense. Now looking back on it, I was like, man, I don't know what I believe. I basically didn't believe anything or I believed everything, which is nothing. You go for everything. You really got nothing. You've got to go for that one thing. That's something. That's someone, Jesus, for you to have everything you need. You got to have that someone to have anything. And the glory of God is that when we believe in that one, Jesus Christ, that he gives us all things according to his purpose. That is an amazing God and that is a loving, loving Savior who did this for us. And that news is good news. But God let Paul in, into the church, although he persecuted and tried to end what God had started. God started this church, this this new movement, these these Christians, this church after Christ, right? They were following him and, and Paul was trying to end that movement of God. He was trying to end it. And yes, and through sin, this is what we all do. This is what we all do. All sin goes against the glory and the purpose of God. We all turn our backs on God and His purposes when we sin. And this is the nature of men and women since the beginning, since the fall. We are all of the loins of Adam, the Scripture teaches. Even in the beginning when there were so few followers compared to the amount of non-believers in this world, in the beginning of the church, I mean, The message of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus, was unstoppable. It couldn't be stopped. Think about how influential Paul was in the Christian church and still is in the Christian church. Well, think about also that influence being used by the enemy, which it was as he was persecuting the church. Even Paul in his persecuting, in in, in his his, uh, unbelieving state, right? The state before he became a believer in Jesus Christ. Even Paul in his unbelieving state as he persecuted the church in his sinful ways... Even Paul the Apostle himself couldn't stop the movement of Christ. But in Christ, God used his zeal, used his vigor, used the, 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 the reliance on God that Paul would literally give his life for. He used all that for his glory so that the church would explode in the beginning. And it still does all around the world. What God wills, what God wills, no man or no amount of men can ever stop it. Whatever God wills is going to happen. Once he sets something in motion, it's going to take place. And praise be to God and glory for that truth. But Paul knew what he was and, and, and uh, what he had been brought out of. And he knew the words of Jeremiah seventeen nine to be quite true. And Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And though he thought he was doing good, ultimately he was persecuting the early church. And ultimately he was trying to put a damper on the fire of God. He was trying to thwart the plan of God. He experienced the sickness of his heart that Jeremiah talked about in a way that many uh, may think that they have not experienced it. But I assure you, if you've sinned against God, you have experienced that sickness. But let's take a trip down memory lane for Paul when he was a Pharisee and known by another name. In Acts chapter nine, in verses one through twenty-two, we have a lengthy account of Paul the apostle and um, and, and his dealings with the Lord when he's on the road. In verse one, Paul. But um, I'm sorry. In verse one, in Acts nine. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, remember, though, that the church in the beginning was called the way, okay? W-A-Y. It was called the way. We know in John 14, right? In 1 through 6, very, very famous uh, passage in verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? The way. And no one comes to the Father but by me. He is the way. And this was what the church were calling, uh, were being called. So that if uh, he found any belonging to the way, again, the end of verse 2. If he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Bound up, chained up. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. Now the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Now that's... Right? Hearing the voice, but seeing no one, the men who were traveling with him. In verse 8, Saul rose from the ground. And although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Verse 10... Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. So he also went to Jerusalem after this and actually had to have Barnabas vouch for him because the disciples were so scared of him because of everything that he had been doing to the church. And then through his preaching and proclaiming of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news about Jesus Christ the church was being built up during this time. And then verse 31 says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It was multiplied. It was multiplied. (laughs) What's amazing about the Apostle Paul as well is that This unsaved state of being that he was entrenched in before coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior was revealed to him by God in the wilderness. God drove him to Arabia just as the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness after his baptism in the Jordan River. And this is where Paul received his revelation from Jesus Christ and he was taught all the truth about Jesus Christ. He was simply obeying the words of God That he told him in Acts 9, 5 and 6, and he said, where are you, Lord? And he said, or he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Now, I hope you're with me through the reading and realizing that Paul obeyed the command of the Lord. And this is something that we're called to do every day of our lives as believers in Jesus Christ. We're called to obey the command of the Lord. Paul wanted to know who this was, who this Lord was who had blinded him. Who are you, he's asking. But it's interesting the way he asks the question. It's not just like, who's doing this to me? Who's there? Who's there, right? Like some, like some uh, suspense movie or something we see, right? He says, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? It's Paul, knowing in his spirit, being tugged in his heart by God himself, the creator of the heavens and the earth, being pulled toward Jesus, wooed in his sinful state as he's persecuting the church. He says, Who are you, Lord? Because Paul knows that if what's happened to him is happening to him, and he's dealing with it and living through it and going through it in reality, in real time, If this is actually happening, then it must be the Lord who's doing it to him or someone with great power that he would call Lord. He wanted to know who had blinded him. He wanted to know who this was that had so much power so as to send him to the ground. But isn't this what happens to all of us? Isn't this what happens to all of us in Jesus? This happens to all of us in the world as we come to know Him. As we give our lives to Him, we have to have the scales removed from our eyes. We have to be knocked to the ground, so to speak, in our lives. Aren't we all sent to the ground in sheer amazement and fear and trembling upon the Lord and His holiness being revealed to us? We should all have Our moments, on our knees, on our faces, praising and worshiping the Lord of all creation, bowing, confessing, acknowledging His Lordship and thanking Him for the chance to be His. Remember we were once lost in the world, destined for death, but now we've been saved, we've been taken up into His arms, and we've been destined for life. In your walk, especially in the beginning, there's gonna be a time of massive confession, massive confession, and I hope that's true. And I want you to rest easy and take heart knowing that as you confess, that you are being loved on by God himself. You will be brought low. You'll be brought into the wilderness. Just as we hear in Jesus of Jesus in Luke 4, Matthew 4. Right? And also as we hear about the Apostle Paul. We're going to be brought into the wilderness. Brought low to see who we are in relation to who God is. God will show you who you are. It is only upon looking into sheer perfection that we can really start to realize how sinful we really are and truly are. But it's that look into perfection. It's that look into the scripture, into the word, into who Christ is. It's that look into the heart of God that truly changes us because we realize that we just don't measure up. And I'm nothing like him. The day that I realized I was nothing like God was the greatest day of my life. Because that's when I got saved. When I realized that I couldn't save myself, that was the best day of my life because I I got saved. When you realize that God is the one with the real power and we pale in comparison to Him, this is a freeing moment in life. When we give over all of ourselves to Him so that we can be changed and so that we can be brought close into eternity. With our king. You see, Paul went to Arabia and he was entrenched. Um, He was entrenched now, not in the law and Judaism, but in the grace and the revelation of Jesus Christ. He was taught by God, he was taught what no school can teach. He was called by his father. He came to Jesus and he was filled by the Holy Spirit. He was taught the intricacies of the gospel. He preached what no man taught him, but what he had received from Jesus Christ. Galatians 1 11 through 17 records this For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. In order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. You see, what Paul had lived his life for, in his life as Saul the Pharisee, was now dead in his heart. That was all A previous life that was all stamped into the dirt of the world so that he could be taken up into the eternal bliss of Jesus Christ. It was dead in his heart and upon learning of the grace of God to save him through faith in Jesus. He had learned what he proclaimed to the Corinthians, the Ephesians, the Galatians, the Colossians, the Thessalonians, the Philippians, the Romans. He had heard the gospel from Jesus and he had proclaimed it. He heard it from Jesus. I mean, listen to what he said. He's, listen, this is not man's gospel. This is not a man's message that I was taught and I'm communicating to you. This is a message that I heard straight from the Lord Jesus Christ in Revelation. And it's amazing to know that because it lines up exactly with the same gospel that Peter speaks and that Peter preaches and proclaims. He was God's apostle. God's apostle. He was the chosen man of God to deliver this life-saving message of God's goodness, this gospel, this good news to the Gentiles. And we have it now because of the grace of God in Paul to be faithful, to deliver it unadulterated to us 2,000 years later because we have it in his word, in the word of God, we have it this gospel and we proclaim the same message here that jesus christ died for the forgiveness of sins that he was buried and that on the third day he was raised and appeared to many different people at different times for 40 days and then he ascended into heaven to take his rightful place at the right hand of the father his seat in glory You see, we are those Gentiles that have benefited from the gospel of Jesus Christ going out to the Gentiles that Paul preached. We are Gentiles, mostly here in America, who believe this, right? Or who who benefit from it, I'm sorry. It is good news that we are not bound to make our own sacrifices for sins anymore, That we are not bound to the old covenant, the the law, the Mosaic law, that we're not bound to the, 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 the practices and the rituals and the law and the sacrifices and the washings. We're not bound by it anymore because instead, Jesus Christ who fulfilled that law in all righteousness, in all perfection, we are rolled up into His perfection and His righteousness and covered with it for eternity because of the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. If we believe in Jesus, the Son that He is Lord, then we are saved and we get in on the work that He did. And that is the good news. And it's not okay news. It's not fairly good news. This is the news of victory that brings about joy to every single person who's listening with ears to hear. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news to the nations. That we have a God who loves us, y'all. We have a God who loves us who died for us, who calls us by name to Himself so that we would be wrapped up in glory forever with Him and be able to experience the riches of glory with Jesus Christ. It's an amazing truth. And to me, at times, especially in my life as I live it, it sounds too good to be true. But I know that even though in the world, things that sound too good to be true usually are with God. Even though it sounds like it's too good to be true. That's just because of how good God is and how different He is than us. Because we're separated from Him, we need to have new eyes that we would be able to see His glorious truth and take it for what it is. It's real. It's true, and it's alive. And I tell you that it's available for you if you would only believe in Jesus. That all the sin that you racked up throughout your life, all the things that you've done wrong, that puts you at enmity with God, that that bridge between God and, and in man, that bridge that we needed because there was a chasm between us, is Christ himself, crucified on the cross, that we would walk over and be taken up into the arms of the Father as we walk by the way, through the gate on the narrow road. And we now have it because of the grace of God in Paul to be faithful to deliver it. Amazing. This news is all good. In the same way that the creation of the world was good, that God called good after looking at His work in the beginning and saying, you know, that God had seen all the work that He had done. He said it was good. This is that good. This is good. This is pure goodness. You see, this is a new beginning for us, the Gospel. A new beginning. A beginning with Jesus as Lord with having him invite us, uh, having, with, with, with him inviting us into a new life where the old has gone, and behold, the new has come, as we read in Second Corinthians five. He made all things new, not just some things, he made all things new. all things. The way that we look at the world and everything in it should be through the lenses of the gospel through the good news of victory. We should look at the world through the lens of the gospel. Let that be your worldview, the lenses by which you see the world. We do not fear death because of the gospel, the victory that was won on the cross. We do not fear death because of that, because we know that we who go to sleep in the Lord or who die in Christ are not really dead Boom! Once we close our eyes in this world, we open them and are awakened in front of Jesus himself in glory. Those who are absent from the body are present with the Lord in glory. We don't fear death because of this gospel. This is how all things are made new. Our perspective has now changed in Christ. And instead of looking at the world through eyes of darkness, we see through the eyes of a new life. And everything is lit by the light of God if we do like Jesus says in John 15 and we abide in the vine. We take up residence in him. We live in him. You see, the reason why people knew of their sin and why we know of it today is because of the law that God gave to Moses Because the law proclaimed is an enlightened view of the sinful life. Let me say that again. The law proclaimed is an enlightened view of the sinful life. We know of sin because the law illuminated it. And now since Jesus fulfilled the law, He is the illumination of life. Jesus is. He is the light of the world. He lets us see the world for what it is and lets us see ourselves for who we really are. And this is glorious. John 1.9 says that He is the true light which gives light to everyone. The true light which gives light to everyone. John also says in 1 John 1.5, This is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. It's amazing. John tells us in John 16, 13, that the Holy Spirit will come and will lead us into all the truth. Another version says that He will declare the truth to us, the Holy Spirit will. This is after faith in Jesus Christ, we are given the promised Holy Spirit to lead us into all the truth. That word translated declare, because the other version that says He will declare the truth to us, that word translated declare, is the same word from 1 John 5 that's translated announce. So the truth that we are led into includes the truth that God is light. And so our job with the gospel is to hear it and then to proclaim it as we live it. To hear it and then to proclaim it as we live it. And to top it off, the best thing that that, that, that God illuminates for us is the truth about himself. Let me tell you something, y'all. We can't do anything of any real substance if we don't know who God is. Because first we got to know who he is, but then it's not just enough to know who he is. We are saved when we place our faith in him. To know him and believe in him. Can you grasp that truth? God lets us know who he is. This is amazing. It's amazing to me that God would let himself be known by us. People who rebel against him. Every day. Sometimes moment by moment. Every day. We struggle every day. God lets us know who he is. He lets himself be known But God wants us all to know that he is pure light and that darkness will never overcome that light. He will never be overcome by darkness. You remember what sent Saul to the ground in Acts 9, right? It was a light. It was a light shining brighter than the sun. It was the light of God, Jesus himself. And Paul went on unashamed, spreading the gospel to the world because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes the gospel. The gospel is the power of God to save. Romans 1:16 and 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So again, church, what is the gospel? What is it? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's that message of victory that brings about peace. And more than peace, also hope in what we have to look forward to. Peace to get us through today and hope for tomorrow. It is the truth about Jesus that he has won the victory that we could never win. Without him, y'all, we were floundering in this world, making sacrifices and offering for sin. The Jews were, us Gentiles, we were lost, baby. We didn't have nothing and we had no chance. But God gave us a chance when he brought Jesus to us to take on flesh and live in this world. To call us to himself as he ushered in the kingdom of heaven. He did the work. Jesus did. And the grace of God gives you the opportunity to have faith in that work. So that you can be saved forever. You won't just be saved for one day if you believe, church. You won't just be saved for a week, for a month, for a year. Until you do something that's so bad that you can't come back in. I want to tell you that once you're saved That's it for you. You're saved. You're rolled up into glory. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You are given the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of your inheritance. Nobody will ever pluck you from his hand, take you from him. Nobody will ever do that. Nobody has that power. And I'm going to tell you even more than that. I'm going to tell you that once you're his, you won't want to do those things anymore. Because your desires are changed. And because before you do those things, your conscience will burn with the power of the Holy Spirit leading you into all the truth, bringing or or, uh, reminding you of all the things that Jesus commanded. You see, here at First Baptist, we strive to live centered in and driven by the gospel of our salvation. You see, we live unashamed for the gospel. And we live saved from the wrath of God and set apart for Jesus Christ. And God is calling you to that life. To live unashamed for Him. To tell everybody you know about Him. To go out proclaiming the good news of victory that brings about joy and hope for the listeners. God is calling us to Himself because He loves us. And our response is to call others to the Lord. And let them know about the light of the gospel and how desperately they need him in order to be saved. Proclaim this gospel, church. It is the gospel of your salvation. And Jesus set us here and gave us this incredible mission to communicate this to a lost and dying world who needs him so desperately. As you were in desperation at times in your life, church, needing God and not having Him. As He reached down and saved you. As you were sinking into the water like the Apostle Peter. As He reached up His hand, He found the arm of our Savior, the hand of our Savior to reach down and pick Him up out of that water. I submit to you, church, that Jesus Christ is here for you today so that all you would have to do is call out to Him, ask Him to save you and to forgive you of your sin and to lead you in repentance, in walking toward Him for your whole life, the rest of it. Your desires will be changed and you'll be that new creature that 2 Corinthians 5 talks about, where the old is gone and behold, the new has come. If you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, I pray that you would do that today. I pray that you would do it from right where you are, right where you're sitting or standing or laying down or whatever you're doing, that you would ask God to save you, that you would ask him to forgive you of your sin, and also that you would rest assured knowing that as you've called out to God, and declared that Jesus Christ is Lord with your lips. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That you are saved now and forever. Church, we love you. We love you. Everyone watching and listening, we love you. And we're here for you to help you with anything that you need. If you need to reach out to us, please email us at fbcap at yahoo.com contact us through our Facebook messenger at First Baptist Church, Aransas Pass, Texas. We'd love to get with you. And also, we'd love to pray for you through anything you're going through, anything that you need. God bless you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and we love you. God, we thank you for providing this truth for us, Lord. That the gospel is the power, is the power of God for salvation to all believe Lord help us to understand who you are and to believe in you for life and salvation God help us as we approach people in our lives to proclaim this good news Lord to tell them about who you are help us Lord give us strength and courage and endurance through the persecution that awaits God, we love you and we thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you.